I would like for you to open your Bibles to John's Gospel, chapter 12 this morning, to the 20th verse, and we'll read through verse 33. Uh, We're in a sermon series during the Lenten season. Uh, In just a moment, I'll read from John 12, 20. I want to thank Jeannie McGowan and Hannah Coe for launching our Lenten series as we've been thinking about following Jesus into the known and the unknown. And this morning we're thinking about following Jesus as we learn more about suffering, as we look at Jesus agonizing. And uh, I encourage you uh, to follow along prayerfully as I read aloud this word of the Lord about Jesus' agony and uh, the pre-cross suffering that he endured and see if we can gain some, some helpful tips and, and insights into our own coping with our struggles I invite you to stand as I read aloud God's word from John twelve twenty and following. Now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has Come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, There will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said that it was thunder. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Have you figured out already that life is not all waffles and strawberries? That life is not all daily trips to Central Dairy? That life is tough? Life is painful? And as I look around this sanctuary of my beloved congregation, I'm aware this morning that we are here together in the midst of brokenness. There are some of you dealing with pain, with loss, with uh, doubts and fears, with anxiety about the future, and with a, a deep sense of suffering. And you know, It's important for us, as we're following Jesus, to not just follow Jesus in the good times, but to follow Jesus 
in his agony so that we can learn more about suffering. Because you see, being in a relationship with Jesus does not eliminate suffering in our lives, but it does give us a new angle on how we might live with that suffering. And I would call your attention to begin with to verse 24. Very truly, Jesus said, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground, falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit, germination. It has to die before it lives. Now think about that. The same seed that contains death contains life. When you look at a seed, unless you have faith... You can never imagine that seed being anything other than that tiny little speck. But if you have faith, you know that that seed can become a tall stock that has even much more seeds in it, more kernels in it. And when you're in the midst of suffering, you can't see the victory. When you're in the midst of guilt, you can't hear God's forgiveness and 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 cleansing. When you're in the middle of being wounded by someone who's hurt you deeply, you can't, you can't find it in your heart to release that person from debt in your own strength. When you're in the midst of grief, it's really, really difficult to have hope and to believe that you'll ever feel like living again. Jesus said, if you love your life, you'll lose it. That is, if you clutch it for yourself, if you hate your life, that is, give it away, you'll end up with eternal life. You see, following Jesus means dying to self. Following Jesus means giving up control. We're not in charge. Tough thing to hear. Following Jesus means that we give up uh, getting revenge, or we give up Uh, somehow believing that we're always right. Following Jesus means you also die to your own definitions of success and the world's notions of success. Following Jesus means that you give up me first, always having to be right, always having to be first. It means you give up the the journey of, of rage inside of yourself. It means you give up control, you release, you let go, you trust. The hardest thing in our lives to do, to to give up control, release, trust, surrender. Jesus said that's how it happens. And then we come to that verse that I hope you recognize when I read it. It's our memory verse that we've been saying every Sunday uh, during the season of Lent. Whoever serves me must follow me and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Verse 26 of the... John 12 text. Now think about that for a moment. That's that's a beautiful promise. And that's not as well known as some of of Jesus' other commands and promises. A.M. Hunter is a New Testament scholar, was a New Testament scholar. And he said that everything we need to know about our duty as Christians is found right here. Follow. Isn't that simple? It's not complicated. It really isn't. Everything that is our Christian duty is in this verse, follow me, Jesus said. Follow me. When it's easy, when it's difficult. When you trust, when you doubt, 
follow me. And then A.M. Hunter said, not only is our sum total of Christian duty in this verse, but our sum total of our reward is in this verse. The reward is, Jesus said, you'll be where I am. Is there a better description of heaven? Is there a better description of how to make it through our suffering in this life? Is there a better description of how to survive the brokenness that you're feeling in your life right now? You'll be with Jesus. That's the reward. But listen carefully. We can't follow Jesus unless we're in a relationship with Jesus. And we can't serve Jesus unless and until we're in a relationship with Jesus. And it's all about a personal relationship with Christ. Not something from a distance, not something institutional, but by faith, receiving Him into our lives, being in a personal relationship. And then Jesus goes on in verse 27, and He says, My soul is troubled. This is Jesus agonizing. What should I say? Jesus asks his disciples. Should I say, Father, save me from this hour? And then he answers his own question, no. It's for this reason that I've come to this hour. By the way, here's some Bible trivia. Of the four Gospels, John is the only one that does not include the Garden of Gethsemane. Matthew, Mark, and Luke have that story where Jesus is agonizing in the Garden the night before his death, right before the soldiers come and take him away. He struggles. He says, Father, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me. And then in agony, he says, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. John does not include that story, but this is the Gethsemane story condensed in John's words. This is really the Gethsemane story in one verse. What should I say? Father, deliver me from this hour. I don't want to do this. And then Jesus says, no, it's for this hour that I have come. I'll obey. That takes courage, doesn't it? And commitment and trust and surrender. And the beautiful thing that happens next is that as soon as Jesus says that, a voice comes from heaven and says, I have glorified your name, and I will. I have glorified myself through you, and I will. And the crowd was confused. What is that, thunder? And one person said one thing, and another said another, but Jesus knew what it was. In his darkest hour, Jesus was fortified by the voice of his heavenly Father. And in your darkest hour, if you're listening, you will be fortified by the voice of your Heavenly Father. You're going to hear a lot of other voices, and a lot of people are going to have a lot of opinions, just like when Jesus heard the voice. But you listen for God's voice. Because if you're quiet enough and surrendered enough, you will hear God's voice fortifying you in your most difficult time. Eugene Peterson writes a lot about suffering. He said that when we learn to pray 
in the midst of suffering, what we need to do is bring every detail to God in prayer. We're so guilty of generalizing. We say, God, help me in my suffering, and we go on. Peterson said it's important that we bring every small detail of our suffering to God in prayer because in doing so, we will begin to have God's perspective on our suffering. We will begin to see our suffering from God's angle. And, he says, we will also enter into Christ's suffering and we will begin to do with our suffering what Jesus did with his, and that is to offer it to God for redemptive purposes. To offer it to God is something to be used. This is a rich passage of Scripture. And when I started working on it uh, a long time ago, I thought there's no way we're going to get our minds around all of this in a short time on a Sunday morning. But I do want to offer you two things as sort of uh, truths to wrap up and, and get our minds and hearts around this Scripture passage. And it's, again, they're not complicated. One, one take-home for us is that others are watching when we're struggling. Uh, it's curious to me that the passage begins by Jesus' disciples coming and reporting to Jesus. We had some Greeks, we had some non-Jews say, we want to see Jesus. Now what motivated them? Was it just his miracles or was it a hunger to know how he handled suffering? Uh, when I first started preaching in North Missouri uh, years ago, it was very fashionable for the little country churches where I would be preaching to have a plaque uh, screwed into the, the surface, the top of the pulpit, and there would be this verse 21 uh, embossed on a piece of, uh, on, a, on a brass plate so that when the preacher stood up to preach, the preacher looked down and saw this verse, Sir, we would see Jesus. In other words, when we worship, when we preach, when we teach, no matter what else we do, we need to remember that people are hungry for Jesus. And the force of the verb in this account is that these people were continually coming to the disciples saying, we want to see Jesus. They didn't just ask once. They were hungry. Their hearts were hungry. And did you know that people are hungry to know more about Jesus Christ, neighbors and friends of yours, and they're watching us to see how we handle difficulty. They know how we handle success. Anybody can do that, but they're hungry to know if there's something that makes life work in the tough times. They're watching us. And I want to say this morning that if you wait, if I wait until all of our problems are solved before we start sharing Jesus, guess what? we're never going to share Jesus. Because there's never going to be a time in our lives when all of our problems are gone and we're not struggling with something. So share Christ. Even in the midst of your brokenness, even in the midst of your struggle, share Christ. Because people are watching. The other, the other thing that sort of wraps around this passage is that surrender and trust lead to glory. That verse 32 is a famous one. Jesus said, I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Now, you know, you know John, the gospel writer, loves double meanings, right? 
He loves double entendres. Um, Water, water of life. Bread, bread of life. Being born, being born again. John loved to do the pun, the play on words, the double meaning. Turn it one way, it means this. Turn it another, it means that. That's so with this phrase, being lifted up from the earth. Because in Jesus' day, being lifted up from the earth was a euphemism for crucifixion. They stretch somebody out. The Romans nail that person to the cross. And then they lift up that cross high for everybody to see as a warning to others. He's lifted up from the earth. But it has the double meaning in that being lifted up from the earth also means to be glorified, to be vindicated, to be proven correct. And Jesus uses that double meaning to say, when I, I am lifted up from the earth, I'm going to draw people to myself. Jesus knew both meanings, that the road to glory goes through suffering, that the road to victory goes through some very tough, painful battles, and you can't have one without the other. And Jesus said, when I'm lifted up, I'll draw people to myself, implying that we're not naturally coming to Jesus in our own strength because we're sinners. But we'll be drawn like a magnet to Jesus because of his suffering and because of his victory. Because we will see in him one who understands our brokenness, one who understands our pain, one who understands our loss. We'll be drawn to him, and it's only through surrender and trust. And this morning, I want to encourage you, I want to encourage myself to to allow yourself by faith to be drawn to Jesus. Don't live in your bitterness. Don't live in your doubt. Don't, Don't stay in your fear, but to be drawn to Jesus in your time of pain. I want to show you a slide of some very interesting uh, Japanese art. Uh, You would know if you know anything about our family that I'm learning more about art than I knew 20 years ago. Uh, Our son owns an art gallery and and, uh, lives and breathes art, and I'm learning a lot from him. And, And there was a time several months ago when he had a special showing of uh, Japanese art called kintsugi. Kintsugi is an art form that was sort of mastered in Japan, and the word actually means golden repair. And it's the art form that takes broken pottery that has been shattered or chipped, and it restores it with what's called golden repair or kintsugi. And they take gold powder dusting, and they blow it on the, the, the vessel, the object, so that it fills the cracks and the gold dust fills the seams and then it's baked or there's a lacquer that keeps that gold dusting in place as it's blown onto the object. So that one of the goals of Kintsugi is to not hide the flaws but to make the flaws part of the vessel's story. Not trying to hide the brokenness, but to make the brokenness part of the bowl's story. This morning, some of us are broken. We need golden repair, Kintsugi. We feel lost. We feel alone. 
But to you this morning, I would say, someone is blowing gold dust all over your broken places. Someone, with a capital S, is blowing gold dust all over your broken places because he loves you. Let's pray together. Work in our hearts, gracious God, your perfect will. May we bring all of our broken pieces to you. With our heads bowed, we uh, pause for a moment and just invite the Holy Spirit to do what the Spirit needs to do. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ, enter that personal relationship with him this morning to say, I repent, I turn from a life that has shut you out. By faith I invite you in. I name you as my Savior. I commit myself to follow you. Maybe there's a church membership decision you want to make this morning. You're already a believer, but you want to join this congregation. We invite you during this response time to come to the altar or to come to the altar in prayer. Maybe you're already a follower of Christ, but you have some prayer needs. Or right where you stand this morning, between you and the Lord, to just work things out or make a beginning as you deal with your own struggles. Amen.